Hey friends, welcome back to Unshakable. Thanks for joining us. Today we're in part three of our study of the transgender movement in America. If you've been with us already, you know in the first week we talked about the biblical foundation for sex and gender and how important it is that we build, when we talk about this issue, we build off that foundation of truth. And then last time we talked about root causes. What are some of the cultural things that are happening in our world right now that have brought us to this strange moment where transgenderism, the idea that you can change your sex, has swept across our country? Now today what we want to talk about is where does this lead? What are the dangers? As we look ahead, what are the dangers? Where is this taking us to? And, and how should we as Christians push back against it? Or maybe even ask the question to start, should we? Be pushing back against it. The question is sometimes asked as Christians, should we just live and let live, especially on this issue? In other words, should we be libertarian about it, just sort of stay out of the issue? Um, and I think the answer to that is no. I think we always as Christians need to be advocating for what is true and what is healthy, both for human flourishing and for stability in our culture. And of course, that means healthy marriages and healthy families. So we ought not back away from standing up and speaking out as Christians what we know is true and healthy mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And when it comes to this issue in particular, we ought to acknowledge human biology. We ought to acknowledge that coming under what God has designed, our human biology, the way that we are made, is always going to be the healthiest way to go. Now, as we talk about this issue, I think it's important that we make a distinction in the people that we're responding to out there. And we'll get more into this next week. Um, but there are, there are people who are really suffering emotionally and mentally over this issue of their gender. And I think we can have empathy in that regard as we bring the gospel to bear upon their lives. And then on the other side, there are the activists. And these are the folks who are really dangerous. They are the loudest ones in culture. They are social bullies. They are dogmatic about what they believe. They are militant about it. In fact, I would say the transgender movement has all the earmarks of a religious cult. You are not allowed to ask questions. You are not, they wanna, they wanna make you afraid. They wanna make you afraid to speak up in the public square, to even start a conversation. And so whenever you, whenever you feel that or see that, when people say you're not allowed to speak about this issue, that's a pretty good sign that we must speak out as Christians. Because listen, we've got to be courageous as believers. Do we trust the Lord? If so, let's put our voices in the marketplace. So today I want to talk about three groups in particular who I think are vulnerable to this movement in a very, very dangerous way. And the first group is just uh, sort of naive young people in particular who are sucked into this movement for a whole bunch of different reasons. And listen, I know that there are plenty of adults that are a part of this, but our young people are being misled in so many ways, especially when they don't know the Lord, when they're not connected to, uh, uh, to anything related to spiritual life or a church or anything like that. They're being sucked into this. And a lot of it comes from peer pressure. It comes from social media. And it comes from progressive politics, which have infected our schools and especially our universities. And interestingly enough, there are some new studies coming out right now, and I don't want to get into too much detail about this because it's so dark, but that pornography is playing a huge role in the transgender movement as well. The explosion of sexual fetishes on the internet have created some conditions where this, this movement is thriving. But I think for the most part, and I've seen examples of this, I, I saw an interesting example of a young college student 
who wanted to try to transition from boy to girl. And when I heard him speak about his experience, he basically, he shared, look, I, I've never felt comfortable in my body. I didn't fit in with the other boys. I didn't fit the stereotype uh, that I saw my male friends um, uh, being a part of. And so I just didn't feel comfortable in my skin. So listening to that, of course, I, it, it, it made me sad. And I, I tried my best to be sensitive and empathize with that young man. But here's the thing we have to know. A lot of us feel that way as we're growing up, especially our teen years. We don't feel comfortable. There's self-identity issues. There are insecurities and all that. But the idea that you can feel that way and then take this drastic step of saying, therefore, I'm the opposite sex is just such a wild and foolish leap of logic. And that's one of those things we need to talk to people about. Because when you make that step, when you say, I'm not going to give this time or, or just, you know, I'm not going to mature through this, but I'm going to jump to this idea of changing sexes, man, you are signing up for a lifetime of medical procedures that is not going to be healthy. So we need to speak about that. And the fact is, as Christians, we can't just go around affirming everybody's feelings. Can you imagine if we just said, well, look, if you feel that way, then we don't want to get in your way. No, we know what is good and what is healthy. I'll give you an extreme example. If somebody who is anorexic said, well, I feel fat, we would never just step away and say, well, okay, well, I don't want to get in the way of how you identify. If you feel fat, then you're fat. We would never say that, obviously, because that wouldn't be good for that person. It wouldn't be healthy. What we would say is, look, you should get some professional help to work through this mental, emotional issue you're dealing with where you don't feel like uh, you're, you're able to line up with your biology. Get some help so that you can work through that. And that would be the healthiest place to be. And listen, I have a terrible feeling that in the next five to 10 years, we're going to see massive amounts of regret among especially young people. Uh, we're going to see detransitioning becoming a huge issue as more and more people wake up to the reality that they jumped to this foolish conclusion and started medical procedures long before they were ready for it. Now, the second group that the transgender movement is bad for is women in general. And you've probably seen some of this talk around social media or on cable news, but we are erasing the distinctiveness of women. When you tell men that they can just wake up one day and say, I'm going to begin to identify as a woman and then say that they're actually women. That erases the beauty and distinctiveness of what God has created in women. You've probably seen the documentary where you've got this conservative uh, guy, Matt Walsh, going around asking the question, what is a woman? And for some reason, progressives cannot even answer the question, which is such a shame and, and so sad for women. And so where are the feminists in this, right? Now we're calling women just the weirdest things. And, and this is the sad thing. When you, call, when you lose the battle over language, you're losing the cultural war. And when we start calling women birthing persons instead of women, you're erasing women. So what's happening right now is we're reducing womanhood to a mere feeling. We're reducing womanhood to an identity, which is so sad. We're basically saying that as men, we can put on a costume, we can do external changes and then claim to be the same as a biological woman. That is a shame. This is also a disaster for women's sports. And as you know, there's a good reason why we separate men and women in sports because there's differences biologically, right? In terms of strength and stamina and so many other things. But now you have men claiming just without any real changes to their body or minimal changes, claiming to be women 
and then going out and winning titles and championships and getting accolades as actual women. Um, and even taking scholarships away from high school girls who are now their spot is being taken uh, uh, that they could have gotten onto a team and now they can't because some biological man has taken that. So you're actually taking away the achievements of women in sports. Um, you're also putting women at physical risk. And this is important to talk about as well. Women need to have spaces where they can be private, where men aren't allowed. We're talking about obviously uh, gyms and locker rooms and things like that, where, where biological men who are just identifying because of how they, that's how they feel are now coming into these spaces, still biological men and changing as if that's okay. We have issues with uh, prisons, which is a real shock that, that you would put a criminal, a criminal biological man in a woman's prison and expect that that outcome is gonna be okay. That there's not gonna be violence, that there's not gonna be rape, that there's not gonna be pregnancies, and it's happening. So here's the reality, and the Bible talks about human nature, the sinfulness of man. Men will always try to game the system. And if they can do that by just claiming to be women and to fulfill their, their dark desires, they're going to do that. And sadly, we're being told as a culture that we just have to accept that. This is terrible for women. So again, I would ask the question, where are feminists? Why, why can't we all agree on this? If we can't agree on the first point about some vulnerable youths, we can at least agree on this one, that this is not good for women. Okay, third, the final group that's at risk, and this is the one that scares me the most, is our kids. Obviously, our kids, they're being exposed to things that they are not ready to be exposed to. And when I say that, I'm talking about gender confusion, about mixing up male and female, right? Being exposed to sexual themes long before they're mature enough to handle it. So we're taking away their innocence in so many ways right now. Here's an example of that. We've got this issue with drag shows. And isn't it interesting that in the last few years, how many drag queens have, have sort of come out of the woodwork well, where did all of this uh, come from? Back when I was in my 20s and 30s, everybody understood there were drag queens and of course there were adult spaces that you could go if that was your thing and it obviously wasn't my thing, but you could go to an adult cabaret, 21 and over, and you could see a funny show and we all laughed about it and that's fine. But now we've got drag queens who want to specifically come out and, and dress up and dance in front of children. Why would they want to do that? And the sad thing is, this is what we call grooming. They are grooming children to feel like this is okay, that this is normal. So they're coming out into children's spaces now, to schools and to libraries, to, air quotes, family-friendly drag shows. Can you imagine? There's a reason for this. This is intentionally designed to indoctrinate our kids and to make them numb to this or comfortable with these types of things. And listen, a lot of this falls on the parents. You have... Again, you have progressive politics uh, infesting parents who now want to, uh, they want to get social credit by saying, oh, we're all in favor of, of gender you know, spectrums and we're all in favor of, of drag queens and drag shows. It is virtue signaling from the left and it's dangerous. Sadly, it's also infected our, so many of our teachers in public schools and principals who are hiding uh, conversations happening with kids, again, long before they should be having these conversations. They're hiding those conversations from parents. Very, very dangerous. We are also allowing children to make decisions that they ought not be making. Listen, we, 
We all, some of us remember being young kids. Some of us have young kids. We know how foolish children can be, but we're giving them the opportunity to make life altering decisions at very young ages when they cannot see the big picture. Literally, we have people saying that kids can be start to transition at the age of three, four, and five because somehow they know who they are at that age. Again, this is grooming, right? Um, we're told that this is their true identity. So you literally think about this. You have parents saying, well, my kids aren't able to choose their own bedtime, but they can choose their gender. Can you imagine? Or, or you know, I, I can't let them just eat whatever they want for dinner. I've got to control that. But hey, when it comes to their gender, they get to pick. It's, it's ridiculous. And we're now demanding medical, medical procedures at ages before even... Even before puberty, we're saying let's let's use uh, hormone blockers. Let's use, I should say, puberty blockers. Let's get involved in hormone replacement and even surgeries on early teenagers. And listen, here's the thing you have to know as a Christian: you're being told that if you say no to that, if you think that's bad or dangerous, that you are blocking. Here's the language: gender affirming care. That that is a lie. This is mutilation of children. We know that we're to protect kids. We don't let kids make these decisions. We don't let them uh, drive into a, until a certain age or drink alcohol or vote because they're not ready for it. And so we ought to know better. Here's the other thing about this. Um, again, so much of this is being driven by parents who want, to, who want to virtue signal. They're moving their children into this gender transition thing. And then there's, of course, the children who are a little bit confused or they don't fit into a particular stereotype. But given time and maturity, the vast majority of those situations work themselves out as, as, as kids come, come out of those difficult years, especially the teen years, and begin to understand where they fit in the world and how they can match with their biology. This is why we don't give kids too much freedom. They're not ready to make these decisions. And I would say in terms of parents, it's abuse. And I would say in terms of doctors who are willing to do these mutilation surgeries on kids where we're changing genitalia and, and, and cutting off perfectly healthy breasts, things of that nature, it is medical malpractice. It has to stop. And Christians, we've got to have the courage to step into these conversations and to say, no, this is not good and it's not healthy. Okay, that's a lot to swallow for today. Next time, we'll be talking about how do we have these private conversations with people. So if this comes up in the workplace or somebody, as I said, if somebody uh, comes to church who affirms these things or is trans themselves, how do we respond? So we'll look at that next time. Until then, guys, remain unshakable. Keep loving each other well.